0: Beryl Vaughn is a consultant in practice development, marketing, and business consulting for physicians in the medical legal space as expert witnesses or who conduct evaluations with legal applications. She's worked for 15 years in this field with forensic psychiatrists, psychologists, and for the last five years, physicians and other specialties as well. She was a case manager and paralegal for two decades prior to turning her attention to the medical expert witness practice. And she educates currently forensic psychiatry fellows at UC Davis, UCSF, UCLA for the past three years. So we talked about how to help attorneys find you if you're interested in this type of work right how do attorneys locate you and know that you're interested in it should should we be advertising in this space right does this impeach you as as a witness does soliciting this type of work really you know make it look like you're you're a hired gun in this space or or how do you do it in such a way that it, it doesn't appear that way how can we put ourselves up there so lawyers can find us um aside from lists should we have a website what should be on that website? How can we optimize it so we will show up in a lawyer's Google search? And how do we make ourselves identifiable on LinkedIn, which is, you know, a lot of times where attorneys will look to to find expert witnesses. And, and why aren't lawyers DMing me on Twitter, right? So of all the social media, really, LinkedIn is the, the business place. And so that's the only place where they'll find you. So she helped us optimize
1: our pages. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. A Practical Guide for Practicing Physicians, Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block.
2: Beryl Vaughn, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. So you're here to tell us if we're interested in becoming medical expert witnesses, how we can be found, right? How do we make sure that lawyers identify us as potential experts? So where
3: are the lawyers looking? It's a big question because there are a lot of lawyers. Many of them who have, you know, a personal injury attorney who always works with orthopedists will have a few people that they're colleagues or they already work with. But if they need someone who's a specialist or is in an area of medicine that that attorney doesn't know about, they're quite likely going online. They will often turn to other attorneys and say, you know, who do you work with? But if they need somebody who's really got unique expertise, that's not going to get them very far. You know, their colleagues will say, well, gee, I, you know, I don't know anybody who specializes in that particularly unique kind of, you know, surgery slash whatever it is. Um, So they go online and that's a big place. So it gets, uh, it gets frustrating for attorneys. They actually are very happy when doctors make it easy for them to find them. I always, I feel like it's sort of foundational. Like there's maybe the um, the the end game is you are speaking to the local bar association about your area of medicine as it applies to a particular legal matter. Um, but the foundation for all of that happens at the level of a of perhaps being listed in some certain directories, good directories, or having a website, um, writing about your topic of interest, and then promoting that. So even joining a a legal group on LinkedIn, and then promoting that link to that website and opening some conversation, all of these are ways to get on the radar of attorneys. If you do nothing, nothing will happen. So really, honestly, and it's interesting about websites because they don't get up, they don't turn up on page one or two right away. They, um, but they become the thing that's in your signature block on your email to attorneys. They become something that you can um, tag in a post or in a, you know, any number of places that will lead attorneys to that website. And that's just one piece of it. They may go to a directory. There's a variety of ways. But attorneys are looking for experts in uh, about something that's come up in their case, like a per- personal injury is the most common medical malpractice, of course, any number of areas of civil litigation. Um, they're really at a loss. Plus, let's face it, if they were experts, they wouldn't need an expert witness. And if they knew medicine in, inside and out, then, you know, all the attorneys in the world would find all the experts in the world easily, and they are So it sounds like,
2: correct me if I'm wrong, if you have a very specific area of expertise, this is what you want to put out there. But there's there are a lot of us who are generalists, right? A lot of internal medicine, pediatricians, right. general orthopedic surgeons, like, you know, you're one of... 10,000 hand surgeons out there. Like, you know, I'm a general, (laughs) I'm a general ENT. So, so some of us have really niche areas of expertise and if, and if we want to be identified for that, then give a talk to the local bar about what you do. Um, but what about those of us who are, who are generalists? Like,
3: it seems like that wouldn't apply. And the local bar presentation is what happens after you do everything else, because the attorneys, they want to hear from you once they kind of have a sense that you have something to offer them. My guiding principle is that education is a marketing tool. Even if you're a generalist in your own mind, as a physician, you say, I treat a variety of patients about a variety of things in my area of expertise. That may not be the same thing to an attorney. So the attorney is thinking, here's my case. You know, someone was in a car accident. Um, They had these injuries. Uh, If they were treated improperly, I think, says the attorney to themselves, or I know, says the client of the attorney, they go in and say, uh, you know, classic, right? I was in a car accident. I have PTSD. You know, my broken foot from three years ago is now I can't even walk on it. You know, they have all kinds of um, medical uh, interpretations. But The attorney doesn't really know. So if you're a generalist, then you have the opportunity to use case studies, for example, to explain how your area of medicine fits into a scenario like that. And you don't have to know law. You can just think in terms of injuries. Just take any injuries that you treat or conditions that you treat and imagine someone has sued someone about that or someone has sued someone and that's an element.
2: Right. So we're not only thinking that's it in terms of medical malpractice, we're thinking personal injury as well. Like someone gets injured, yeah. shoveling snow or, or like they slip on the ice in your driveway. Right. Sue you. Hey, I treat broken noses. You got a broken
3: nose. Come to me. Got right. It. Okay. And um, and your an ear, nose and throat doctor, correct? Yes. So I slipped on the ice and now my hearing is impaired. Is it, is it related? Yeah. Is it not related? You don't know until you yeah. do the evaluation and your issue, your report and perhaps testify down the road. Um, all expert witness work is both for plaintiff or defense. I mean, if you just work for one side, then it kind of uh, impinges on your You know your your reputation for impartiality, so that's the reality. Is is someone on either side could have a a a narrative, (laughs) and the narrative can be, I was injured injured, and now I have you know, and it's all everyone else's fault. But the doctor's job as an expert witness is to come in and say, okay, let me take a look, let me take a closer look and see if you know that makes sense, and if it doesn't make sense to me for all kinds of good medical reasons, it might not make sense to a jury or vice versa.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned if we have our own personal website. And so if we're advertising for this type of work on our own personal website, couldn't that be used? Like If we have a, a, a website specifically to advertise that we do this type of work, could that be used to impeach us as an expert? Like, oh, you are clearly a hired gun here. Look, you've got your own website. You're trying to sell yourself. Like, could that be used against us?
3: Well, you've used some words that are triggers for doctors. Advertising is a is a word that's a trigger for doctors. And I, I just keep encountering over and over and over again. Um, it, It's not a half-page ad in the New York Times. Your website should not sell you in that sense. It should report your credentials and give you an opportunity to describe your experience and expertise. Um, you can write about the things you know about, and those are things you know about. It, promotional language uh, really doesn't have to suggest the hired gun approach. I, I have seen a few websites where someone has said, you know, um. A thousand plaintiff you know results or or uh, f- 1500 wins. I mean like that would be the worst kind of website to have. That would be a, I would call that a career Ender <laughs> for medical and legal work. So if you stay at uh, if you stay professional and you stay in your lane and you simply report what is true and what is consistent with your knowledge base, then you're not getting into any trouble. I mean, there's no problem there. Okay. And I think I should add websites are not the only thing I, I, when I got into this business doing practice development, I wasn't a website developer. It wasn't, you know, what I went into this for it's just that what I found was that I would literally know somebody who was a forensic psychiatrist, for example, who, was a specialist and respected in their field. And I would say, okay, I'm an attorney. I want to find that person, I type in their name and I couldn't find them. I got not even a phone number. <laughs> that, that's not a result that will get you cases uh, at the most basic level. But if um, there are many different platforms that you would be making your information available on, not advertising, making your information available on. And uh, You know, all of those are features and the website is one of the features.
2: So what, but let's stick with the website and flesh this out for a little while. So what type of information do we want to include? Do we want like a downloadable CV, um, contact information to make it easier for the easy to contact you once they found you, but like that, what
3: else are we including on there? It depends on a variety of things, including how good a writer are you? How comfortable are you with writing? Um, Can you write for people who aren't other doctors? Not so easy sometimes. Uh, It is okay. If all it has on the, the website is your phone number and your address and your downloadable CV, that's half the battle. Okay. Ideally, you would have um, some case studies. They could be cases that you have really encountered if they were adjudicated and set, and if it's a criminal matter, sentencing or um, jury handed down an award, then it is now public record. So you can write about it in some real detail. If if it's a case that was in the news, you can link it to an article in a legitimate news source. But if it's just a, a case study where you're basically Almost speculating, like here is an example of where my area of medicine might come into play. For example, this happens, that happens, this other person thing happens, and these these would be my findings, or these are the things that uh, alert me to an issue. If that's what you say on a case study page, that's valuable. There will be attorneys who will have just that very issue or something similar who will be then inspired to give you call. Um, I like to have articles on my clients' websites that are a little more curated in the sense that I talk to them and find out, you know, what kind of cases you want? What kind of things interest you? What are the cases, um, both as a physician and if you're a medical legal expert, maybe you only have done a few cases, which are the ones that really interested you? People will say, I like short and sweet. I like to just look at some, you know, the radiologist might say, I just want to look at some films. And, you know, and look at the medical record and issue my quick, you know, opinion and go on to the next one. Another person may say, I love to sink my teeth into a really complicated case. Um, You know, I'm an internist and I just love to talk about the interaction between this person's um, different medications, their diabetes and the outcome of their injury. I mean, some people will want to get into that and that will serve their goals. So that would be a great article to write. In the world of promoting websites, Google has, uh, they have an algorithm for who, how early they put a website on the pages. And, you know, if I knew the algorithm, I would be the wealthiest woman in the world. But we do know some, some, there are some things that Google has been clear to make, has made clear to the public. One is um, they want valuable content. So they're looking at the person types in a question and is looking for an answer. And if your website provides some good, clear answers, then, you know, you will get promoted a little higher on the page for Google. So that's where these articles come in. It's a great opportunity. You can assume the attorney's going to type in something very obscure. (laughs) I mean, I have a very unusual little niche. You're not saying, you know, do I need a medium or a large red t-shirt? That's not their, what they're typing in. So if you've written yeah. about this rather unusual thing, you're more likely to come up. So I like to see about, articles, uh, case on, studies. In a prior
2: episode, That's right. like SEO doesn't work for just broadly putting lots of words on your site. You want to make sure that yeah. you don't come up as the first search for everybody. You want to make sure that you come up quickly for your particular niche. So that's why you're writing about right. your particular niche so that when somebody does search for that, exactly, you come up for them and only them, so.
3: And Google has, because of their value applied to information and from legitimate sources, a search that may seem unusual, the first page might be entirely sort of Google Scholar things. Um, and that's, I think that's actually admirable for Google to make that priority. Um, as opposed to, you know, the highest bidder that if you're on the second page, that's a fantastic result. Frankly, there will be so many other sort of not not competitors of yours on the page too. It's not until the attorney gets to people they really want to talk to that I really care about where my clients fall. (laughs) I don't care if it's page one, page two, page three, as long as they're ahead of the other, the
2: other other
3: experts. That makes, sense. Exactly, that makes sense. Exactly. So
2: so some of us have websites already because we have yes. like we're a coach. I'm not. But right. some of us are or clinical our, site. Or coaches. Right. It might be our it might be our practice site. Maybe we're an author. Maybe we're, I don't know, podcast host. So that we've got <laughs> our own, we've got our own websites. Can can this page just be like an extension of that site? Like I have my site about my podcast and then there's a, a link on there to my page. I'm not even sure of the lingo, like my medical expert <laughs> page on right. that site. Does that work? Or it, this should be it like can. an independent.
3: It, it can. Ideally, it's independent. And okay. your domain name reflects that. And um all of the content is consistent. There are people who feel like it's a it's a much easier shortcut to put a page on their existing site. Your existing site would have to have something to do with the medical legal. So, the podcast website might not be it, but the clinical site might be. Attorneys appreciate knowing that you are in the trenches every day doing the medicine that you claim to know about. Um, But here's the problem with clinical sites with a forensic page patients don't always understand what medical legal work is. And it's not impossible for patients to begin to wonder. I don't know what this means. Does this mean that if somebody sues me, my doctor's gonna walk out there with all my medical information? It, we know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but not all patients know that. So that is a little bit of a danger of throwing that on a um, clinical site. If you just want to have one page where you say very basically that you offer those services and this is how you can be reached, um, you know, you could accomplish it that way one of the things I do for, well, so I, this comes up all the time. I have a client who has a clinical site. So we have a a tab on the menu that says, you know, her forensic work, she's a forensic psychiatrist, says forensic psychiatry. And when you click on that menu item, instead of going to a page on that site, it takes you to the other site. If you click on the clinical menu page on the forensic site, it takes you to her clinical page as well. So the attorney can, can find each thing. The, um, the co- you don't want to have that conversation with your patients about what that all means. I mean, it's just, a, it's really a waste of everyone's time and yeah. you're reassuring patients and you've got better things to, to talk to your patients. About. And you don't you know? want that to
2: drive anyone away.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So that's my recommendation. It's not to say that people don't try and make one site do all things, um, but it's hard to pull that off. And it's almost more work. It's almost more trouble than it is worth. What about LinkedIn? Oh, I love LinkedIn. Um, I, I hate all other social media. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, um, my sister does a lot of genealogy and she taught me her tricks. Want to find your third cousin? Go on Facebook. <laughs> you see where this is going, right? All of this information is very public. You wanna throw this very um, serious professional statement about yourself on the internet. You, you really don't wanna do it on Facebook. People do, some people get some cases. I don't think you get that many cases. I think on Facebook, you meet other doctors that do what you do, um, more likely. But LinkedIn is what's called a B2B uh, platform, business to business. So attorneys are expected to talk to not only other attorneys, but other professionals. So it's a perfect platform for that kind of conversation. Um, so so I, I recommend that all my clients have a LinkedIn account, that they join attorney groups, that they make sure their, their, their title on their profile, their profile image, perhaps the profile background or header, that all of those say something about their medical legal practice. I think it's just a, it's just a good tool. If you're so inclined and you want to post every week or twice a week, you have a lot to, uh, to share with attorneys, then that's even better. Although you have to be very careful about, okay. So here's the thing about the way LinkedIn works. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but it's kind of interesting. When, if you're on LinkedIn, you'll notice if somebody comments on what you've posted, you get a little red dot next to the word notification. And of course you're going to say, Well, gee, I wonder what that was. Somebody said something or did something. So imagine that you read the the post of an attorney and you want to respond. All you have to do, I mean, normally you would hit the little thumbs up or something and that little notification will come up. And if that attorney had a reason to want to reach out to you or know about you, they might click on your profile, which is you know where they would find out more, including a link to your website, by the way. Well, you don't want to be thumbs upping things that you don't know about. Like an attorney says, you know, we we got our client off the hook for the, you know, mass homicide. You don't want to be that person who's thumbs up, you know, because now that becomes almost like a political statement or, um, yeah. So I think that says it. So here's what it is. On LinkedIn, they get, you get a variety of responses. One is a curious face. When in doubt, use the curious face. I'm curious about what you said. I don't have a strong opinion about it one way or the other, or I'm not going to share it with you right now. <laughs> Real red dot comes up above notification and you have a moment to be on someone's radar. So LinkedIn is great for that. If you just want to kind of do something basic, just log in once a day and click some curious faces and move on. Or if you want to be a person who creates a lot of posts, that's fine too. I think it's a great platform for um, creating a little bit of a communication with attorneys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not in the sense of a conversation, not in the sense of a message, in the sense of they. They learn something about you. They have a reason to look at your profile. They have a reason to then move on from there, hopefully towards a phone call to you.
2: Yeah. Okay, great. So then on LinkedIn, we're going to put the fact that we are, that we do this medical expert witness work on a number of different places on the site, on our page, so that it's easy to identify that we do it. And then you said that there are lawyer groups as well. So there will will become... Members.
3: I mean, what are they? Right. So, you know, know. you might type into the search on LinkedIn, something like um, uh, lawyers. Let's just say you're in a, in a, in a small town lawyers, Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. And you might reach out to connect with anybody who pops up, assuming that it's in an area that makes sense for you. I mean, maybe not an intellectual property attorney, maybe not. You know what I mean, it would depend, but you would look for people who had some case you thought you might have something to do about and reach out and connect with them. There are also groups like personal injury attorneys, 12,000 members. 12,000 people don't log on every day to see what you've had to say. But you really, it doesn't really matter. You want three, (laughs) three to read what you say, all three of them to think about you, forget about you, and a year from now when they have a case call you, that has just paid for itself, (laughs) that effort. So yeah, and also I should add that it's important that attorneys know that you're a clinician at least some of the time. So in your title on LinkedIn, you want to make sure that, that that's clear. And there's all, you know, I work with some doctors who are DOs, and so I did a little poll. DO means, you know, it was like ophthalmologist, (laughs) chiropractor, physician, you know, and not everyone got it right, which was sort of shocking. So now I make all the DOs put the word physician in their title. Sometimes it's educator. So sometimes it's the area of medicine, you know, comma, medical legal consultant. That's your title. Yeah. You've now communicated what you need to. But that's just LinkedIn. I mean, there are many of these platforms for marketing and promoting your your practice. The key is to wherever you do it and whatever you say is to stay serious, you don't know which what attorney is looking at. I mean, just even for example, you could have been retaining a case, posing counsels getting ready to depose you. They're looking for dirt on you. You want to make sure there's no dirt to be found. And by dirt, I mean, Doctor, isn't it true that you said on your site um that, that all cases like this are untreatable <laughs> or that this is almost impossible to treat? You know, isn't that true that you said that or that you wrote that or that you posted it on LinkedIn or whatever? So you just keep it neutral. Uh you, you stay with what you know, and that's a pretty safe way to go. You, you know, you use all these platforms, but You want to be be the serious professional that you are. You don't want to, you know, you don't need to leave that behind. (laughs) I know a a psychologist who is very funny. Almost nobody can get on the stand with a sense of humor and get away with it, but he could. (laughs) And the attorney said, well, doctor, isn't it true that you advertise in this directory and that directory? Choosing the word advertise very intentionally to, to make it seem a little slimy. And the doctor said, "Yeah, gotta feed my kids." <laughs> <laughs> jury cracked up wasn't a big deal. Nobody is surprised to know that you want to um have your phone number available to people who may want to learn more about your area of medicine as it applies yeah. to their legal case, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 makes sense makes sense and and we've talked about this before on the show that that um to some degree it's an obligation to the profession that we use our expertise in in this way. Uh, And and it would even make sense for it to be a requirement. It's not, but a requirement of, you know, board certification for you to work as an expert witness on almost like jury duty so that everyone has to go through the process and everyone, rather than having people who are, you know, hired with this particular of expertise, if you have like on a rotating basis and everyone's got to do it well. Now, now the whole, uh, it, it throws the whole business of medical malpractice a big monkey wrench because um, you're not going to be able to get, you know, a predictable answer from the expert witness that you've hired to, you know, for your particular
3: case. Right. Uh, the term of art is opine, which sort of cracks opine. me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to render your opinion, your findings to opine. Um, yeah. And, you know... If we want to get a little bit bigger in our perspective, and, and I do, I mean, not just now, but in general, the the legal system is a natural remedy for a, a wrong that has been committed, assuming liability is proven. It, the wrong that could be committed is the suing of the person with the deep pocket without you know, adequate justification. <laughs> the wrong could be someone's injured because someone else was negligent, and the remedy is, it could be financial, it could be treatment, it could be a variety of things. It could be punitive. Um, if it's a big hospital, they may want to be yeah, punitive.
2: That's the you, theory behind it. But in practice, that's not the outcome.
3: The reality, yeah, right. And actually 99% of the time it settles, the case settles. Yeah. But this is what you're saying about sort of uh, a little bit of an obligation. I don't know if I would call it an obligation, but I would certainly say doctors bring to the table expertise that serves the justice system and the justice system is a good thing (laughs) we have it it's a good thing and we're not all doctors and so and neither are jurors so you know it serves the system entirely for people who know what they're talking about to you know explain the rest of us (laughs) what it all means
2: so if we have if one of our listeners you know they like, like they like what they heard they want to put themselves out there and they need to hire someone to help put them out there where where do they find you?
3: Well, uh I got the 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 website domain that was available, and I, I apologize in advance. I think it sounds like a carpet cleaning service. <laughs> it's forensic expert pro. So it's it's spelled the way it sounds, forensicexpertpro.com And that is my website, and my email is go at forensic That being a little bit faster to type. Uh, and I can give you my phone number, but honestly, I think it makes more sense to go to my website, look at the about page, learn about me, learn about my philosophy of, of marketing and see if that makes sense. Cause I think that, you know, this is, we're back to the web, role of the website, right? You didn't find me on page one, but now you may wish to go and visit and learn more. And that is the, that is the best outcome for a website.
2: That's what we're open for. Well, Beryl Vaughn,
1: thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Thank you. That was Dr. Bradley Block at The Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on The Physician's Guide to Doctoring.